Good morning, everyone. A big day on the show. We are going to be speaking with a uh, state legislator, John Kavanaugh. Uh, Mr. Kavanaugh has been in the legislature for a while. He is uh, is writing a piece of legislation that would defund PBS at the state level. We're going to talk about that, the dust up that happened with PBS and the Clean Elections Commission. And uh, what ended up happening? I had a conversation that was very interesting with Clean Elections on the TV show Before You Vote that we're doing over at AZTV. And we're also going to – I might as well put it out there that AZTV, I've been working over there um, for a while. I had my own show. It was the Mike Broomhead show for a while. And now we're doing a series of shows called Before You Vote, which have been very well received. So thank you for that, those that are watching. It's an informative show, different than the format here. It is no – it's not my opinion at all. As a matter of fact, I don't give opinions at all. We interview candidates. We talk issues with other people. Uh, we try to bring people on the ba- balance. As a matter of fact, last week we had um, from high ground. We had um, Chuck Coughlin on from high ground talking about uh, from the you know kind of the right leaning point of view, and then Chad Campbell from the left side about the big issues and certainly about uh, lack of debating in the PBS debacle and how it was handled. So it's a fun show to do. And AZTV has now been named the media partner for the debate between Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake. Now whether or not uh, uh, the secretary. Secretary of State is going to accept the debate. She said she isn't going to in the past. She has not so far. Um, if that doesn't happen, then there will be a 30-minute interview with Kerry Lake. So that kind of clears that up as much as I know right now from inside. I have no idea if I'm going to be asked to be a part of that. I wouldn't blame them if they didn't. Um, they may try to balance it with somebody else on the other side of the aisle and the two of us do the interview. I have no idea, don't have a say in it, and uh, we'll find out moving forward what's going to happen with that. Um, when we uh, when we start talking about the economy, which we're going to do again, um, economists are now warning of a big drop in retirement plans, and it's been coming and it's happened. At the beginning of this year, four hundred one ks had an average of one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars in them each person. Now that's obviously an average, some much more, some less, but that was the average at one hundred and thirty five thousand. The average is now one hundred and one thousand. Does that mean all of it was lost in the stock market? Probably not. Are there people taking money out of their 401ks to survive? Probably so. But it's also the significant drop we have seen in the stock market, and this is the price everyone pays. So when we start hearing in the political world we live in, when the stock market, it's always about the rich getting richer. And uh, what we do know is that most people, working class people, rely on some kind of a retirement plan, 401k or, or an IRA or whatever it is to put money aside for retirement. And or at least that's part of what they do for retirement. And I would say to you that if you are uh, when you look at the stock market, if all you see are wealthy people, you're not looking at the right thing. And it becomes a political football, which it shouldn't. All of us should be concerned about the stability of our economy because of the inflation that everyone is suffering. So I want you to hear just a couple of reactions from people. This is an ABC, uh, AB, Galen Duke over at, uh, Druke over at ABC News, uh, uh, talking about voter sentiment and what they really are concerned about. It's the economy and inflation. And in this most recent polling, we've seen improvement for Republicans because when you ask Americans who, on average, they trust more with the economy, it's the Republican Party. You know, and so I think that both sides of the aisle get involved in social issues to an extent. And for me, I I guess the older I get, the more libertarian I think about a lot of things. What I mean by that is there's a lot of things the government should not be involved in. As a matter of fact, somebody that runs for office that would get my vote would be someone that says, before I approach a piece of legislation, the first question I'm going to ask myself is, is this any of our business? 
Meaning, does the government need to be involved in everything? Do they have to have a say in everything? Now, a lot of times we know laws are necessary, but pieces of legislation that would stop you from doing this or force you to do that, um, it, it just gets involved in things. And that's the social issues we keep talking about. When you want to go to social issues right now, the abortion topic is the biggest social issue that's out there. And so you've got on the left saying the extremists in the Republican Party want to outlaw all abortions, even including rape and incest and for the protecting the life of the mother. And that's an extremist view. And on the other side, the Republicans are saying, you think we're extreme. The reason why we're doing some of these things we're doing is because the people on the left want to ensure that a woman and, and the advice of a doctor could have an abortion up to the moment of childbirth. That's an extreme view. So you're in, we have this give and take and pull back and forth while the world around us is falling apart economically. We are seeing a dramatic downturn that no one saw coming. It's weird. I think sometimes we don't have long memories. And, you know, if you just have a memory going back three years, gasoline was under three bucks a gallon. There was no inflation. Wages were rising at an alarming rate. And it was it was great. And again, I'm not this is not defending a president versus another president. I'm talking about quality of life for people. You know, and, and we are I, and admittedly, this is admittedly as a Republican myself, we almost always lose the popularity contest. We just do. And it, is it because of, of being pragmatic? Is it that people perceive uh, uh, Republicans as harsh? I don't know what the deal is, but in the court of popularity, we lose. You look at how Barack Obama was able to beat John McCain in that election. You look back at a place we were in, we were in two different wars. The economy was in the tank. You had a candidate for president who had been in the Congress for a very long time and never voted for a tax increase at a time – when the American public was hurting, international issues were the key in the United States at that time with two different wars going on in Iraq and Afghanistan. And John McCain was clearly in the minds of so many people, not just me because I'm a Republican, the much more qualified candidate for president. Barack Obama ran an amazingly good campaign. His communication skills were off the charts, and he was a very likable person. When you talk about hope and change in a new direction, he motivated an entire country and won that election. Then he beat Mitt Romney. In the court of popularity, Republicans lose. But when it comes to the economy, when it comes to practical matters like that, they win. And that doesn't mean that there's no substance in the Democratic Party. I'm just looking at an observation. They went on social issues. They went on education. And now, again, I disagree with their stance on education, but they win, and that's what they are seen by the American public as being better at. So in Arizona, when education was a big deal, we saw the, the numbers narrow inside the state legislature in seats in the House and the Senate. Because education was number one in the minds of voters, and they give that nod to the Democrats. Now, I don't necessarily believe as a Republican it's justified. I'm telling you what the voters say. Well, right now, what the entire nation is looking at is the highest inflation we've seen in 40 years and what seems to be tone-deaf uh, responses from the White House. Um, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre was talking about um, – was talking about this. I want you to hear there. She is being asked about about the inflation in the country. Her response is, 
I just think it's really funny, but it's, again, the example of being tone deaf. 18 months ago, when the president took office, inflation and gas prices started rising. Well, 18 months ago, uh, the president signed the American Rescue Rescue Plan more than uh, about back in April uh, of uh, 2021. Uh, again, inflation started rising 18 months ago. Well, 18 months ago, we signed the American Rescue Act. Well, that's part of the, the spending issue in Washington. And then when I hear from everybody, look how much money Trump spent. You're right. There was a ton of spending in the Republican administrations as well. You know, the COVID money that was given out, there is a lot more money and a lot less goods, and things cost a lot more money right now. And we're trying to figure out a way to fix that, but it has not been fixed. The adjustments have gone in the other direction. That's where the problem lies with the American people. And, and if, you, if your initial reaction is to jump back and say, well, look what the last guy did. You came into office. This administration was elected to fix all of that. The border was going to be better, is it? The economy was going to be more fair and better for the working class, is it? I mean, if I'm a candidate in the Republican Party, I am going to keep pointing my finger at the economy. And anytime somebody wants to distract us from anything else, I'm going to go back to the fact that the number one issue for Americans right now is the economy and inflation and the fact that people that are getting closer to retirement – I'm in that voter demographic of people that show up at the polls and vote or show up and vote, whether it's mail in voting or show up at the polls. Older Americans, I'm 55 years old, older Americans classically are the huge demographic of people that vote. And the people in my age group, a little bit older than me, that are closer to retirement are looking at what's happening and saying, I am going to have to delay my retirement probably by years. A couple of years because I've lost so much money in the stock market. I've lost so much money in this downturn. And so I would be pointing to that. How do we right the ship economically? As I said before, it was the Carter administration that ushered in the administration of Ronald Reagan. And even then, Ronald Reagan didn't become Ronald Reagan until he won his second term and won 49 of 50 states to get reelected in 1984. 49 states. And why was that? He was handed this huge inflation and an economy that was tanking, gas prices through the roof, a fake oil shortage, um, uh, housing interest rates that look like credit card rates now. And in a span of a couple of years, he was able to start riding that ship. Inflation began to drop. And then we saw prosperity. And it was just a be- much better time for America. It's hard to argue with the fact when the guy has was um, reelected by winning 49 of 50 states. And I just think the American people need to spend, in my opinion, I would say um, the Republicans falter when they don't talk to the American people, when it's when it is right wing talking points and it's polarizing. Speak to Americans like Reagan did. We'd be much better off. Why did the CDC refuse to reinstate Title 42? One of their leaders speaks out on why they didn't do it. We'll give you answers to that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. We were all down at Margie's Bar, telling stories if we had one. 
Welcome to the Mike Broomhead Show. If you're just jumping in, Mark Chestnut, one of my all-time favorite country singers. Did you know that? Is that why you played it? I love this dude. Not why I played it, but okay, yeah. I love him. I, when I moved to Arizona in 1995, my brother's girlfriend at the time made me a 90-minute cassette tape. That's how old I am. Of all Mark Chestnut songs that I listened to for three days on the drive from southwest Florida to Phoenix, Arizona. I'll never forget it. Um, anyway, thanks for being here this morning. Here, uh, a couple of things about immigration, and I, I, this is—I'm going to tell you. I've been—I've been preaching about this for a while, and it's coming true. And it is an interesting fact, and I hate it. I hate this. Um, and it is that people are kind of changing their mind in America about immigration at times, that people are um, upset about how we do things with our immigration uh, system. So they want less immigration, which I think is a huge mistake. It could be a big answer to a lot of our problems. We're talking economy, and we've been talking economy forever. Um, Mike Rowe wrote a piece about our, our lack of skilled labor in this country. There is a silver lining to everything, and I will tell you what it is, and then we're going to get back on the immigration thing. When I was 18 years old, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life and didn't care. I was working at a gas station, like a convenience store, and uh, that was it. I was making minimum wage and working in restaurants and and, uh, just thinking that I was going to do that for the rest of my life. Which wouldn't necessarily have been a bad plan, but it wasn't what ended up happening. Um, I found a trade. As an electrician, I started out as an apprentice, and I loved it. I fell in love with that whole thing, working with my hands, working with my head, accomplishing things, and I finally found something that I was good at, and I followed that for the majority of my adult life, and for a guy that barely got out of high school, and I mean barely got out of high school, I was able to have a career where I was never unemployed when I did not want to be. I had an employer lay me off, but already had a job for me with another company because he felt so bad that he had to let me go. And I was employed all of my adult life. Now, that certainly isn't about anything exceptional about me. The economy was good at the time. There was a lot of construction going on, and I was eager to learn. So the silver lining right now is if you're a young person or you have a child or even a grandchild, if there's someone in your family that's kind of a little misguided, that doesn't really live up to their potential or doesn't know what they want to do, all they have to do is show up and try. I mean, that's the requirement now. That is the requirement to success. Show up and try because we are so so short-staffed on skilled labor. The immigration piece of this is what a guest worker program could do. There are people that want a reduction in the amount of visas that we give people. I'm telling you we have a labor shortage in Arizona that's leading to our housing crisis because we don't have enough people to build homes. Part of this is the immigration issue as well, and people have a right to throw their hands in the air and say, this is horrible. We have lumped everybody together as a migrant. Everybody is called a migrant. And here's how far it's gone. Um, there is a, there was a, a Title 42. Uh, why a top CDC official refused to reinstate the Trump-era border rule. The, US, the top U.S. health official on migration told Congress he chose not to bring back the Trump-era border rule that expelled migrants during COVID-19 pandemic because it would characterize migrants as virus spreaders. That is such a false narrative. And the problem with that is, is it brings race into this, that somehow it's racist. But again, they always say follow the science. The rate of spread at the border was much higher 
than it was in other parts of the country for a while, for a long while. And it has nothing to do with the skin color of the people crossing because it isn't just people from Mexico and Central America. They're coming from all over the world. It's because there was no lack. There was no enforcement. There was no mandates. And they put all those mandates on other people. You're, there are people that are overwhelmed and crammed into facilities that are not built for that number of people. And in other places, you are doing diminished capacity. The rules were different on the border than they were in the rest of the United States. And so when you see an increase like that at the border, so this is what's so silly about it. If you fly into the U.S., you have to show a negative test to get back into your own country. If you drive across the border, there's no requirement. If you walk across the border, there's no requirement. But the idea that we're going to inject race into the conversation about COVID-19 just shows you again that this border issue has deteriorated into something it doesn't need to be. If our immigration system was thriving like it should be, if we were allowing the good people that want to come here to flourish, it would help our economy. It would make us a stronger country. We would love our immigration system. We still do. Every time we see a ceremony, usually on the 4th of July, but when we see a swearing-in ceremony of naturalized citizens, what do we do as Americans? Most of us, the vast majority of us, take it as a source of pride that that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. People becoming Americans, waving American flags, sworn in as citizens. We still embrace immigration in this country. The problem is illegal immigration and the way we've handled the border issue is so bad that it has completely clouded the issue for people. And we've got to get back on track. Gatos joins me in a moment. It's our big Q poll question of the day, so stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's do this thing. All right. Uh, Would you like to hear the Q? Absolutely. All right. So... I just heard uh, Jeff Munn, and he's talking about this possible debate we're going to have. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, okay, so it's it's back on the table, I guess. But Carrie Lake is ready to go. We haven't heard anything from Hobbs. So you got the uh, Arizona Clean Elections Committee rescheduling this uh, possible debate. Should Hobbs reconsider and debate Lake? Yeah, it's like a like a. Oh, you're all ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, no, or I don't care. Uh, I, I mean, part of me, I don't think she's going to debate. I, I would tell you my answer is yes, but I'm uh-huh. leaning toward I don't care. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Now, why don't you care? Because this late in the game, I think it's it, it's just it, it's I, this whole argument over this. Now, you know I work over at AZTV where this is yeah. going to happen. Um, and I was talking with the people from Clean Elections, and I think it's a valuable thing to debate. I really do, especially if you want to be the governor. Why but not? This, right. But this late in the game, I'm just so tired of the back and forth and listening to the excuses from the Hobbs camp. And, yeah. and so I'm just I just want to move on. Let's just. Let's go see yeah. who wins the election. I, you know, both sides, there are people on both sides that don't want to debate. Like, Andy Biggs didn't want to debate this time around. Ducey didn't debate in 2018. In, in the, the primary. primary. Yeah. And Hobbs doesn't want to debate in the general because, as I've said, it's like Godzilla versus Bambi. And I think she's <laughs> going to get, you know, that's how I kind of see it. But I I had a, I had a line for Hobbs if she wanted to use this. Are okay. you ready? Yeah. All right. This is what Katie Hobbs should say if I were her, her campaign uh, manager. 
Uh, I will debate you anywhere, anytime. But first, you have to admit you lied about the 2020 election being stolen. So if Katie Hobbs comes out and says that, listen, Carrie, you know, you're either gullible and think it was stolen or you're lying to everybody. Um, I'll, I'll I'll debate you. Let's do this. But you just have to admit you lied. Except it, I, I, because you know that Carrie Lake's never going to say that. So then you can say I would have debated, but she wouldn't say that. Yeah, it's all political. It's like this is almost a way for Katie Hobbs to save a little bit bit of face, right? Um, but, I, you know, I don't think she's really I- I- interested in getting into a back and forth with, with Carrie Lake at all. But, no. Uh, I guess we're not going to see the debate. Uh, but let's just move on from it. I really don't care anymore. I think I'm probably with you. I, pr- I don't think I care anymore. Maybe it is late. I kind of see? agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. at that. Gatos agrees with me. Look at that. Well, you're right once in a while. <laughs> you know what they say? that a broken clock is right twice a day. There you go. (laughs) Well, Gatos, it's a great question, and it's nice to see you back in the building. All right, man. I'll see you later. Thanks. All right. That's Gatos in the Big Q poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Uh, John uh, John Cavanaugh, legislator, up next to talk about his bill 